Welcome to the Hot Chicks Write Hot Books podcast with Jen Foster and Melanie Johnson, where authors give you their inside secret tips on how to be a successful best-selling author. Hi, welcome to the Hot Chicks Write Hot Books podcast. I'm Melanie Johnson along with Jen Foster. We're happy to have you here today. We've got a great show. We want to remind you that we have our book writing retreats that are uh, coming up twice a year. If you'd like to sign in for that, go to bookwritingretreats.com. And if you'd like to have us publish your book, you can find us at ElitePublishing.com. Today we have Todd Sinelli with us. He is not a one, two, or three-time or four-time author. He is getting ready to write his sixth book. I've known Todd for years. He um, started in the financial world, writing, uh, selling, um, and trading finances, and being a stockbroker. And um, he has made millions and lost millions several times. And he did it twice before he was 30. So he's had quite an adventure. He's here to tell us about that and about how he self-published his books and his new passion of what he's doing. And uh, we're going to learn a lot from him today. Welcome, Todd. Thanks for being here. Delight to be with you. Delight to be here this morning. So tell us a little bit about your background and give us a little bit of your story. Sure. I, you know, on the... You can see author, entertainer, educator, there's so much. So I grew up in Michigan and love Michigan just as a place that established a good work ethic. I think the people in the Midwest are honest, they work hard, and so I, I've done that. I worked hard in education. I, I went to school at Michigan State, did graduate school, postgraduate school. I started a couple businesses from trading firms, hedge funds, publishing companies. So it's pretty eclectic my background. But I've been a hedge fund manager, I've been a missionary in Italy, I've been a professional magician, I've been a director of counseling for a megachurch, and now I'm focused on magician as well as author, entertainer, and educator. I just love your background. You always have fascinated me that your life has taken so many different roads and you do each one so elegantly and so successfully. Really, you do it until you master it. You just go so full force like a lion when you go uh, after something. I'm always impressed with that. <laughs> Thank you. Lion or, yeah, that, that's a kind adjective at this time. I think there's a boldness too when we do start something and not being scared at what the future holds. Sometimes things will happen beyond what you could ask or even imagine. And other times we fall flat on our face and that, that gives us a little bit of humility as well as um, just courage to keep going and start again, regardless of what it is. Finances, faith, family. I think we all need a little bit of perseverance and tenacity that gets us through each day. Well, tell me when you wrote your first book, um, and what year it was because I was saying that you started doing self-publishing before self-publishing was really cool and we had all the tools with Amazon and Kindle and CreateSpace. So tell us the, your journey as an author. You spot on. So this is over two decades ago. There used to be a guy by the name of Dan Pointer. Dan Pointer was the godfather of self-publishing and he did, uh, he did a number of books. But it was 1992. I was in graduate school. I wanted to write a book that would impact my family's life. Long story short, I wrote a book called Evolution Within, which is a compilation of quotes, aphorisms, short little stories, and I wanted it to be not evolution in a Darwinian sense, but evolution that we'd grow smarter and wiser as a family. 
So I had quotes from my grandpa, my mom, my dad, and I put some quotes, and the theory was that I'd give this to my kids, and they'd pass it on. Long story short, no one got it. Either I wasn't very good at articulating what I was hoping to do, but uh, it had a small print run, <laughs> and it never took on and, and got the traction that I hoped for at the time. And then where did you go from there? Once you did that and you figured out, okay, that didn't really get the traction you wanted, then what did you do? Yeah, so then I did a children's book called One Lit Torch, and it's a, it's a book of parables, seven short parables, with the idea that each one of us, if we carry a lit torch and light the torch of another, soon the world would be filled with a beautiful glow. Mm -hmm. So I, I had an MBA. I was looking for other people to help print this, and I got really patronized. I mean, they'd say, oh, tell me what kind of book you're writing, a children's book. Oh, that's cute. Come here. I want to pinch your cheek type, type thing. <laughs> and uh, then they put this presentation and this price to print it, and my jaw would drop. And it happened again and again and again. And I thought, wait a minute. I, I mean, you might think I'm stupid, but you're talking to me like I'm really stupid. So I ended up having it printed in Hong Kong overseas and having it shipped in and hired a designer that was um, in art school at the time. And her dream was to work in animated films. And so she needed a portfolio and a book. What happened was she was able to use the book and ended up showing it as part of her portfolio, got a job working at Pixar. I hired my English teacher from college as the editor, and she got to be involved. So the, the book is an international bestseller in my mind, and it's actually used a lot of different places overseas as well as in the United States. One Lit Torch, that was the one that really sparked a different interest and gave me the encouragement to keep writing. That one sounds really cool. I'm excited to read that. <laughs> Good. So yeah, if you have nieces or nephews or your own kids, it's, it's, a, it's a timeless. Parables, they tell stories again and again, and some of the greatest teachers in the world, and even I modeled after what I thought was the greatest teacher in the world and how he used parables to really draw people into a very good story. And then, so did you keep similar format when you did your next books? I mean, because that was a children's book, and then you transitioned from children's books. You didn't do another children's book after that. Correct. And so then, uh, so I, I'm like both ends of the spectrum. There's this, this professional side of me, then there's this personal side. There's this artistic side, and then there's this really tactical business side. So I, I, I toggle. I went back into the financial markets, did really well made a lot, and then I lost a lot. And then I started thinking, what, what do I want to do with my life? What's this all about? And I went to Mexico on a mission trip, and I, I met these people that were generous. They were kind. They were, they were full of glee and hope and, and happiness, and I didn't have it at the time. And I lived in a very expensive place in Chicago. And uh, so I wrote a book on true riches, what it meant to be rich, and it, I took a biblical approach, what it means to be rich in the eyes of the world versus the eyes of God, and I started the publishing company again. Well, that unfolded, and that hit resonated with a lot of people, that it went into the first printing, sold out, second printing, sold out, third printing, sold out. I hadn't even done any marketing or advertising, and it just, it got crazy momentum. Then I was asked by uh, uh, an organization called Campus Crusade, Campus Crusade for Christ. They usually give freshmen a toothbrush, a, uh, a toy, 
and a Christian contemporary bestseller. And so the book they were using was more than a carpenter that has sold millions of millions of books. Well, they wanted to use True Riches. So I flew down to Florida, ready to sign a deal for about 500,000 copies, discounted rate, and it was going to be gangbusters, big, big time. Long story short, they tested it at Stanford with 500 copies, and they, they didn't like it. It had too much emphasis on Jesus, and I, I did it as a Christian book, and that was the purpose of it. So they went with Blue Like Jazz or another book, which is fantastic. However, it was another shot to like really have a mega bestseller, and um, it didn't happen, but I'm still, I wrote another book after that. <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to keep pushing forward, right? <laughs> I think so. I think you're right, Jen. And so then what happened with that book? Well, that book is, I, I put it into an electronic copy, so you can get it on iTunes, on Kindle, and it still continues to trickle in, but that was, uh, wow, that was over 10 years ago, and so that message, it still has legs, but I haven't been promoting it that much. And then I, I went back into the financial markets, um, made a bunch of money, I lost a bunch of money. You see a trend here, this yeah. little pattern that I've kind of figured out too. And then I got pensive and I thought, what am I going to do? And so I wrote another book called One Simple Word that was designed to get people into conversations and looked at some of the greatest communicators in the world. Now, all right, so you've had this trend of being self-publishing. The publishing market has changed a great deal since you got into it. Yes. So, And now you've got a new book coming out. I'm really excited to hear about your new book. And I want to hear how you plan to market this book versus what you've been doing in the past. And I, I do love that you had almost had that deal with Campus Crusade for the 500,000 books. I mean, when you can get a deal like that, that really makes you um, be an author that can make money. A lot of times people, what we uh, teach too is to use your book as leverage for other business ventures that the author, being an author, gives you credibility in the marketplace in your niche. So now that you've had all this background of kind of what works, what doesn't work from the history and how publishing has changed, you've got this new leash with a new book. Tell us how your marketing strategy is going to be for this book. Yeah, Melanie, that's exciting and that's the right question because there's I'm learning so much about partnerships and even working with an agent or an agency or some other things. So there, that question isn't known yet. The, the book is ready to go, but what I want to do is I want to partner with um, people that have the ability to scale it larger than I do. So I'm praying, I'm asking of people that know of some agents that believe in the, in the message and also hopefully enjoy working with the messenger. So this book is coming out. It's going to be launched through a Kickstarter campaign just to be able to articulate the message and allow people to as a crowd to come along behind it and so as a filter to generate some buzz and popularity I'm gonna do a Kickstarter campaign and then part of the funding from that is gonna to be to partner with an agent so if there's an agent out there that's listening and interested in hearing this idea I would love to do it because I'd like to see it on a national as well as an international scale all right, break it down, the Kickstarter campaign, because there's a lot of people that have never done that before and maybe not even know what a Kickstarter campaign is. So explain exactly how you're going to do that and how that works. Yeah, sure. So, um, gosh, book number five, I do lose track. I think, I, I think I'm on six, but book, book number five was a workbook, and I did a workbook that 
was a four-week devotional that you had to do with a partner. So I raised about $12,000 through Kickstarter, and what that does is it's kickstarter.com. It's a crowdsourcing venue where, as an author or as a speaker, one of the most important things is being able to articulate your message. And if people don't get it, they're not going to buy your book. They're not going to want to hear you speak. And so I, I believe in Kickstarter as a way to sift and really iron out to get articulate about what you're saying and how you're saying it and who your audience is. Probably like the retreats that uh, Melanie, you and Jen are doing in some of these sweet and exotic locations. Uh, authors need to, to get into that core voice and understand who their audience is, but they also probably might be surprised at an audience that would love their book that they haven't considered. And so Kickstarter is, a, is kind of a model to do your own focus group and your own self-discovery on this journey. And if you're bootstrapping, then it's a way too to raise some capital. But if you can't get other people interested in your book, it's gonna be really difficult to get it on a larger scale. Right, I really like that you're doing that because what, what you're initially doing is finding out who your fans are and what they want and then collaborating with them to create the I mean, you still have your main message you're going to be sharing, but it, it's going to give them even more because of the collaboration and the way that you're crowdfunding. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like a survey almost, like you're getting to do a survey and see, well, and if you get no response at all, then you need to go back in your cave and rework what you're doing. Change the name, change the, you know, change the title, the subtitle, or the contents, or um, you know, tweak it a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, how does it work? So when you raise money... Then uh, do you have to pay it back? I mean, are people obligated? What are they expecting for the money that they're um, do giving in the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, the way the way it works is really strategic and um, fascinating. Where you establish rewards. So, say for example, I'll tell you what I'm doing with the eighth time. Is if you donate eight dollars, you'll get an electronic copy of the book on iTunes or whatever else. If you contribute eighteen dollars you'll get a subscription to the online program, which is for eight days, eight minutes a day with eight activities that will change your life, and you do it with a partner for 18. If you contribute $88, now you'll get a ticket to one of the seminars or workshops that I'm doing. If you do $888, but wait, there's more. You know, <laughs> we're actually working on a documentary and a film um, helping anyone. If you've probably succeeded, proceedingly you failed repeatedly in something. And if you haven't, I'd be a little skeptic that you, you're, it's good to walk with a limp. Sometimes when we have our legs taken out, it gives us a nice, a different strength and in intestinal fortitude. So there's another category, Melanie, that has a reward for the film. And then there's an $8,888 that will do a private session, a private seminar, and a whole other stuff. But your question was, how does it work? So you set a time, so I'm doing 40 days. I just like 40 days and 40 nights just for some of my, my background. And you launch it. And then if you get funded, I'm doing, I don't know if it's going to be 88000 or 8000 I think I'm going to keep it modest in just $8,888. And so, so if you get that amount, you're funded, you're live, you're ready to go. And then anyone that supported you, their credit cards or their payment gets processed. If you don't make it to, let's say, $8,888, it's, it's dead in the water. Nothing happens. No one's charged. No one receives anything. And you didn't kickstart it. You didn't get the launch to go. So that's the essence. Then the fees are you pay them 5% because you're using their platform. But the rest of it that you have 
to launch your product, launch your dream, launch your book. That's wonderful. That's a great explanation of it. That's really good. I know a lot of people that crowd crowdsource and it works really well for all different kinds of projects. And I like what you're saying too because it's a good way, um, which we had no one has done uh, given that advice on our show yet about a way to market your book and see and test market it. So it really is a way to throw it out there and see if there's an interest and it generates interest. And it almost made you create other products and other things to give them. So you've got bonuses along the way as you get going that once you create those, you can use those for other things. It sure does. And at the end of the day, we're, we're in the business of words, whether it's written or spoken. Mm -hmm. And I think as authors become better speakers, they have a different platform or a different leverage point to be heralds for their message. And if we can't write well or we can't speak well, I think we're really handicapped. And Kickstarter allows others to say, wow, this person's intense or they're passionate or they're serious or who knows? I just like him. I want to throw $8 and see what happens. He's failed many times. Maybe this time will be the hit. And I want in early on this. That's great. All right, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your writing style and how you go about your writing process. Um, because so many people have different ways to do it and they get overwhelmed. I know sometimes I get overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. You get writer's block. So what do you like to do when um, you've written six books? So you've got to have a formula that you like to use. <laughs> Oh, Gertrude Stein said it best. I don't like to write. I like to have written. And so I'm, I don't think I'm a very good writer, but I'm a tenacious editor or reviser. And so I, at the first, I just dump it out. And the, the book, One Simple Word, it actually started as one magic word. And as it just sifted and I listened to counsel and got feedback, I was like, they're right. One simple word is better than one magic word because of different connotation, denotation. So... I like to be alone, get me in a cave, get me away from distractions and people, and then just write. So that occurs for me early in the morning. Um, after 8 o'clock, my, my brain is mush. I'm a pumpkin. I'm, I mean, I, I just I don't work well. So I think it's really helpful, Melanie, that people develop their voice and their style. So you don't know that until you start writing, but you can't, you can't really learn to swim unless you jump in the pool. Mm -hmm. So you can't learn to write unless you just write and it'll get sifted my books are are tight and small but probably all my books have gone through and uh, authors hear this graciously this is me I told you I'm not a good writer I'm a good editor my books have gone through probably a hundred plus revisions over the course of from when I start to when I finish so I stay with it and then I invite females to tell more of the story I invite guys to be sharper and crisper in the language. I invite theologians or a whole diverse people to say, just to ask for feedback. So while writing's important, I think just the ability to receive constructive feedback, criticism, comments, that, that really will keep, um, that'll birth a better product than just being alone and isolated. Yeah, I really like that you use other people, like you, it's, you said you're a really good editor, but it sounds like you have like a team of people that are kind of your editors that you send it out to that they can give you feedback, revise this or change that or or move this over here or over there. Um, I was going to ask what kind of, you know, you, you said you like in the morning, but what kind of tools do you use or is there any technology that you use today that you didn't use 10 years ago? Yeah, I, boy, it really has changed. I, um, 
other typewriter and plucking at keys and white out liquid paper was this invention a number of years ago that was fantastic. Uh, now it really is just automated. I use Evernote because Evernote you can share with other people and they can get a perspective. Microsoft Word too is effective because they can have an editing feature on it. So these, these are simple tools that are out there. They're really inexpensive but they're incredibly powerful. And I just encourage writers as well as speakers, like, have a soft heart, have a compassionate, tender heart, but develop some tough skin because you, you, you got you to gotta take the feedback. And there's a philosopher, Luchetsky, said, the agreeable things people say make us glad. The disagreeable things make us think. And so let, let, be open to getting some disagreeable feedback from someone that might have a counter position on you. And just listen, because it'll get you to think, and you might be able to touch some other people if you, if you do ask for feedback. And yeah, use the tools that you can share things. Evernote, I think some people get too scared, like their idea is so brilliant and it's going to be scooped away. Well, that might be true, but that's part of life too. So <laughs> even if it happens, so what? You'll have a better story that you shared and you're going to come back with a better idea. So stay in there when that does happen. Right. I think that's so true. So many people... Um stay in their little uh, tunnel because the criticism hurts. So opening yourself up to criticism is really important. Yeah. True. And find coaches or mentors like what, what you two ladies are doing. I think it's vital. And usually you should ask, like, who's your team? Like, writers don't think like this, but who's your team? Whether they're going to support you, help you, help navigate, but it, it, ask, it, ask for some help. Get some team because even you might be the next um, – Tolkien or whomever, they all got help along the way. So that that actually is wonderful just to consider. And even just asking that, wow, there's some tools I might not even know of that I could learn from you guys to what you're using. Yeah, oh. I like to call the team that you're talking about and the people that help you your board of directors because, you know, a lot of time us as entrepreneurs or us as, you know, you're working by yourself, you're writing a book by yourself, you're self-publishing it, you think you're doing everything yourself. Well, well, you can get a team like you're talking about, Todd, and you call them your board of directors, and you go to them and you say, would you like to be on my board of directors? All you have to do is read my book and tell me what you think. What you think. And they're more than happy to. And, you know, you have lots of circles, and use them and make them your board of directors. Spot on. Yeah, and the other great advice you gave to Todd was that not just from one category, you know, pick men, pick women, pick yeah. theologians, pick CEOs, pick people from different walks of life and businesses because they all have different perspectives and um, that will give you a more well-rounded product. That was great advice. So true, and you'll discover so much. There might be an audience that you never even considered through the conversations you have about your book, your topic, your subject, and it... it it's been true for me. How I started and how I finished usually are different. Uh, and I didn't see it at the beginning, yet there's a story called the, the success theory or corridor principle. And what it says is, like, when you start in life, you, you enter into this corridor. It's dark. You don't know what is in it. And a lot of times we've got to take this first step into the corridor. But as you move along, you'll see doors of discovery that you would have never seen had you not stepped into the corridor and then that's the fascinating thing as you get deeper deeper into it you'll start seeing other doors that you never even had anticipated start to open as you just continue to move along on the journey but that first step it's a big one and even opening those doors sometimes can be scary 
scary, and that's good. I mean, that's good. Unless it's some something that's just a little bit of fear that makes your your skin tingle. Then I don't know. Maybe your dream's not big enough, or maybe it's uh, <laughs> it can be good. Like if you do see. Uh, a tiger in the jungle, then you, you want to go the other way. But sometimes we see crazy opportunity and that scares us because it is being presented to us, but we don't know what to do with it. And you just keep moving forward and you'll, you, you'll see there's a lot of people that are at that same level and they were scared too when they began. Mm -hmm. yeah. So right, tell us more about the content of your new book. This kind of rolls us right into um, what you're writing about now. I love the, the topic. So you've probably heard that uh, third time's a charm. And there's something fantastic about three, whether it's ready, set, go, breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, father, son, Holy Spirit. Third time can be a charm. I, I think the eighth time is a charm. And this book is about <laughs> failing repeatedly, but rising courageously. And so if anyone has attempted to do something and they swung and they missed, this book is for that person. It's, it's under the auspice or the idea that we don't embrace failure correctly. We, we're scared. We, we don't want to do things or appear like a failure, but there's a, oh, this is a good Detroit story, Melanie. So in Detroit, well, have you ever heard of 409, the cleaning? Yeah. The cleaning supply. What do you use it for? Everything. Everything, right? I mean, it's fantastic, fabulous 409. It was created by three brothers in Detroit in 1957. The reason they call it 409 is because they didn't get it right on the first time, on the fifth time, on the 50th, on the 150th, on the 408th time. It was the 409th time that they nailed it and had this everything formula that you mentioned, Jen. So there's something that... Uh, needs to be told in eighth time it's an online platform that's going to have a few things one you gotta commit today and begin tomorrow it's immediate there's an action right there you have to find a partner to do it with you and three you gotta do all eight days eight activities for eight minutes a day so there's a book there's an online platform but it's deeper than that because there's whether you're Japanese the Japanese have a saying fall seven times Stand up eight. There's a quote in the Bible that says, a righteous man, though he falls seven times, he rises again. And so rising, giving up, like every day, you're going to go down. You're going to go to sleep. But guess what? Tomorrow, you're going to rise again. And how do we do that courageously? So my story, I've gone broke or nearly broke eight times over the last 20 years. And the range has been from five figures to seven figures and I've, I've been able to see from both bandages and it's fun at the top you can buy stuff do stuff and it, it just opens you to more doors and freedoms but there's also a sweetness too when you're at the bottom starting again because it's there that you develop some intestinal fortitude and some of the characteristics and qualities that allow you to enjoy the top but it's all about eighth time if, if you've fallen repeatedly, if you're failing repeatedly, I want to help you rise courageously. And so there's a book, there's a platform, there's going to be speaking. It, it's going to be life-changing for a lot of people that jump on. Well, it's interesting, you know, that eighth time, usually you're, um, it's not the victories that you analyze yourself and reevaluate everything. It's when you fall, you have to reevaluate. So I, I just think that's so poignant. 
And the eighth time, I think it's so good because you're not making it just a book. You've got the workbook, you've got activities, you've got a partner, so they've got accountability in that. And it's not overwhelming. When you were saying it, some of these programs are so big and overwhelming that you're thinking, I don't have 30 days, I don't have all that time, but that seems really doable um, in a chunk of period that you could really commit yourself to those eight days and doing those things. And what do you think the results will be after they go through your program? Eight minutes, eight days, eight activities. Uh, hopefully the results will speak for themselves. There is a book by Dale Carnegie, not the How to Win Friends and Influence People. There's another one of his books, but what he did is he, he went to a lot of hospitals and he asked people, like, you're down. What, what's going on? And most of the people in the hospital were not just suffering from uh, some type of illness. There was a deeper illness, and it was pretty much depression because they were down and they needed to do something. And so instead of medicating, he believed, and I also believe, is think of others. Like he really believed that others would get better if they stopped thinking of themselves so much. And so as soon as you start thinking about how can I help others, there's a saying that he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. So mm -hmm. as soon as we start moving in the direction that Maybe it's not about us, and maybe I will find my, more joy helping others and getting the focus off me than anything else. So what do I hope happens? That it's so transformational that every person that goes through it becomes the herald or ambassador for the program. And hopefully through some coaching and help, whether with you two or others, I learned to articulate it well enough so others can say, you got to do eighth time. What is it? Well, it's for anyone that's failed repeatedly and wants to raise courageously. I, I, I've failed. Can I do it? And then it's hopefully it'll take on a life of its own. That's great. I love your, your motivation and your drive, and, and helping others is really what it is all about. So I think that's great what you're doing. Yeah. Even as you, you two develop workshops and platforms, I, I think everybody has a book inside of them. It just needs a little bit of help getting birthed. And uh, I, I heard Melanie. Some people are cranking out books in in the week that they're with you. Is that even is that true? I'm talking to the the, the genesis, the progenitors of this. Yep, that's true. It is true. We have a, we have a system that um, people can get their content out and um, and they have fun doing it. It's not even painful. We laugh and um, cry and uh, you know within four days of the seven day journey, most of your book is all done. So it's really such a tremendous journey to go through it, and it's a bonding experience with a group of um, women and men sometimes, and uh, you have to be vulnerable when you go down there. So we only like people that are uh, non-complainers, that are positive, that are implementers, and uh, you know want to get their book done. And, um, and then we do all this fun stuff on top of it, Todd. It's really cool. I mean, we jump off of waterfalls, we go ATVing, and we do all kinds of stuff. On top of that, we fit. It's amazing that we fit all that in and write a book while we're down there. Yeah, and that's courageous just to begin. I think that's what we need help with and making it. It can feel so daunting, so overwhelming. And I've gone through this process six, six plus times, and it, it's not easy. And once you understand that, it does get easier. But thinking that it's just too easy, I think that's misleading in some ways. But you'll work hard, and then you'll have a book before you know it. 
Yeah, and you know what? It's nice because, like you say, when you're doing it by yourself, we give those people a helping hand. So you're not doing it alone. So we're that sounding board right there, and um, giving them the tools and systems that they need and the assistance. So because sometimes you do get in that vacuum in your writing, and so it's like doing what you were talking about, sending it out to others, but we're doing it right there at the beach. So. Um, Tell us uh, the website we can find. Your new book's coming out really soon. So um, tell us uh, where they can find it. And they can, uh, I'm sure you've got like some bonus for them when they give you your email. And um, tell us where they can go. I do. So what you want to do is go to 8th Time, the number 8, com. 8th Time, the number 8, com, And there you can just get on the early adopter list because the platform, the website, everything's coming and there may be a nice little uh, a welcome for you. Um, if you're in Dallas, I, I'm giving the message three times this month on October 18th at Park City's Baptist Church to uh, all women conference meeting. I'll be giving this message, eighth time rising, uh, falling, failing repeatedly, rising courageously. And then I'll be speaking to another group of professional men called New Canaan Society on October 23rd. So the message is going to be one of a spoken as well as a written platform. And eighttime.com is going to have all the information and some of the other speaking dates and a lot of the activity is going to happen, but you guys are the early adopters. Uh, Melanie and Jen are, are, are breaking the story a little bit early, so mm -hmm. if you're listening and enjoying it, it, it'll probably be launched very soon. Hey, we're on the cutting edge. We're hot chicks write hot books. We get the hot, hot chicks, guys hot, on the cutting topics. edge, okay? <laughs> And we're going to um, put your book up once it's done. We'll put information up on our website as well so they can find you and also purchase your book from our website If uh, because if you can't find that, and we'll have everything there. So you can go right to Todd's website or you can buy it right from ours as well. Any last words for us, Todd? Words of wisdom? Last words. Speak and write about things that are important. Birth a book. Make it happen. I, the filter that I use is I write the books that I'd be proud to have my kids read. I don't have any kids yet, but when I do someday, these would be books, hopefully, that they'd be proud to read. So find that voice. I just encourage people, find that voice or that, that filter that you use to screen the projects and the products that you want to be involved with, and then go courageously. Swing and miss. Write a bunch of them. You don't get good until you're, I think, your third or fourth work anyway, so just keep going. That's great. Thank you, Todd. At least eight books, right? Eight times. <laughs> At least eight books. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, you can find us at ElitePublishing.com and BookWritingRetreats.com. Come join us for a book writing retreat and spend a week at the beach and get your book written and published. We do all the work, all the heavy work for you. Um, and we have our book writing fast pass. You can find that on Amazon. So if you want to do that, it's our workbook that we do at the retreat. So if you want to do that on your own, you can find it at Amazon. And it's called Book Writing Fast Pass. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Hot Chicks Write Hot Books. For more information, you can visit our website at hotchickswritehotbooks.com, or you can text your name and email address to 832-572-5285.